I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group, and I'm coming to you today on the road in Itasca County, Minnesota, at the Itasca Economic Development Summit in a beautiful, absolutely beautiful part of the state. Sugar Lake Lodge, I believe is the name of it, right, Brian? That's correct. We'll get into that in a minute and get you all to come spill some of your money. Spend some of your money here, but we have Brian Hanson with us. He's the president and CEO of Apex, which is a regional economic development group up here in northeast Minnesota. So, Brian, welcome to our show. Chad, it's a real pleasure to be here, and it is wonderful to have you here in my actual hometown of Grand Rapids, Minnesota. I'm very proud of it, and I have this real kinship for you. You're on one end of the Mississippi River, and I came from the other, so... We'll get to talk about that a little bit later. That is right. Yeah, I crossed the Mississippi River yesterday driving out, and it's just a little river up here. And I almost, like, put something in it. You know, I almost went over there and, like, poured some water or something in it, so I figured I could beat it back home when I get home. That's really cool, yeah. In this area, it's a river that you can, there's spots you can walk it, and you can definitely swim it. Well, I thought about going to the headwaters maybe the next trip. I think it's too far from here, but I want to go do that since, uh, you know, we also have an office in St. Louis, so that whole river's important to us. Absolutely. As it turns out. And, folks, we are streaming from the show, so you might hear a little noise behind us, but that's just fine. We're streaming from the show. So, Brian, start out with telling these people kind of the region that Apex covers in Minnesota. Sure. Well, we have a pretty unique organization, Chad. We serve a 10-county area. That 10 county is larger than 11 states in our country. We both sides of West Virginia. We're also unique in that we serve two different states. So we serve seven counties in Northeast Minnesota, starting at the Lake Superior and working your way west and up to Canadian border. And we also serve three counties in Northwest Wisconsin. And it's a really unique opportunity for us to, when we're talking with companies about where they want to grow to give them examples of the benefits of each of these two great states and the opportunities that exist. 
The other thing that's really unique about Apex that I'll just share with you is we are, uh, and there are a few of us out here in the economic development world, but we are entirely private sector funded. And so we partner with the public sector all the time, but we don't call ourselves a public-private partnership because we're not. We're funded by the private sector to do the work we do. Well, I think that's the best way to do it. And uh, talk about some of the clusters of industries you have up here. So all my life as a kid, people I knew would come up to this part of Minnesota to fish and hunt and do everything. So talk about some of the uh, industries you have here. Sure. Well, you know, this area started and was first really explored because of the great natural resources here. So our forestry and mining industries are leaders. We're also a leader in the energy industry with some pretty significant power generation transmission running through this region and in fact i say energy because over 25 percent of the u.s supply of crude runs through this region i would not have known that living where i live in the gulf we think we got it all you know yeah yeah this is coming from uh, pipelines from north dakota and canada that are serving our country all the way down to the chicago area and points further east and so it's a unique energy hub for our country in addition to energy then is manufacturing. And we have lots of really interesting and innovative manufacturers in our region, folks like uh, Cirrus Airplanes, the world's largest single engine airplane manufacturer and, and you know a leader in the industry with things like a parachute on board each and every plane that takes that plane safely to the ground. Your plane's probably not gonna survive, but you're going to. You pull that red handle. So there's all kinds of reasons that can happen. And uh, Cirrus has an incredible safety record as a result of that feature. And they're an industry leader. So that's just one really great example of uh, what's going on in manufacturing in our area. Well, I got to brag on, you know, people say the Southern hospitality down where I'm from. But yesterday I land in Duluth and I walked to my Avis rent-a-car stand. The guy standing there when I woke up, I must have been his only reservation on that plane. He goes, you must be Mr. Chancellor. I said, yes. He goes, here's your key, sign this. I literally didn't even stop. I mean, and I said, man, I got to move. In New Orleans, it takes me about an hour and a half to get my rental car. (laughs) I was out of your airport with my rental car before people got their luggage. And I have found uh, my whole experience here, I mean, it really is a hospitable place. I mean, you know, Minnesota nice, they said. Well, you know, that's wonderful to hear examples like that. I think that people take really a lot of pride in serving others that come to visit our region and i'm really glad that that particular attendant showed it and that is the kind of welcome that we want everyone to have yeah so you mentioned being big in energy are some of the new regulations being hard for y'all to overcome or how you doing with all of that absolutely chad that part of our economy is in transition we have a large coal-fired plant it was at one time over a thousand megawatts and four units and is down to two units now You know, that comes with the loss of jobs and other impacts on our community. And there will be plans over the long term that that plant will be repowered or repositioned and providing energy in a different way. So we are definitely coal impacted. And that's one of the things that we're working on. And it creates actually some opportunities for us, both on the recruitment side and on the energy side. So, you know, these are exciting times. There's a lot changing and we're adapting and figuring out how to make the best of this. Well, I know Itasca County is only one of your counties, but we're at the Itasca Summit today. So talk a little bit about this event and kind of what was behind it and what y'all hoping to accomplish out of it. Sure. Well, first, I want to brag up my county just a little bit. You know, the mighty Mississippi flows through Itasca County. 
It's also the home of, you know, we talk about 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. Well, over a thousand of those are right here in Itasca County. And, you know, we're looking out the window right now, Chad. We're lucky to be able to look at uh, Sugar Lake here from Sugar Lake Lodge. And it is absolutely a beautiful gem. So that's the starting point. But Itasca, the county has a long tradition. I'm a fourth generation person here in the county. A long tradition that started with timber and continued on into mining. And those industries have supported then and spun off all kinds of interesting manufacturers, a very thriving, you know, I didn't mention tourism industry, but the tourism industry is huge here. And all the hospitality that goes with that, you know, it's even a retail center as far as the whole region here in Grand Rapids. Itasca County has is a land of opportunity, is how I would put it, Chad. Yeah. Now, I've never been ice fishing, but Brian tells me this lake we're looking at. Y'all have to Google it. He tells me this lake we're looking at in January, you can drive your Ford pickup truck out on it, which I find hard to believe, but I might have to come back for that. That's right. So, you know, last summer, I was able to get out here and I was floating around and doing some fishing in the day, and the lake is so clear. I wasn't expecting to be all that successful, but in my float, I did find some structure that I found pretty interesting. And I said, well, you know, I'll go back to the cabin, get my brother, and maybe we'll come back over here for the evening bite. And sure enough, the walleyes were on. And I would imagine that that same spot, we come back here in the winter, we drive my F-150 out there, and we could set up and pop in some holes and catch some walleyes, Chad. So we're on Sugar Lake, and uh, there's cabins all around it. It's kind of a resort with a golf course and all. I assume there's lots of other places similar to this at other lakes in this part of Minnesota. Absolutely. There's beautiful resorts on, you know, even small 100-acre lakes. have nice family resorts that are uh, fun places to go and explore. And those lakes are really fun to go and explore, too, because we have a real nice variety. Whether you're into things like duck hunting or, you know, walleye fishing or you just want to go water skiing, all those opportunities abound here. Yeah. Well, and you really get all four seasons. You know, where I'm from, we never get winter. So, I mean, here you really experience it because it gets pretty hot in the summer, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have those 95-degree days, and then we'll also have those 30-below days. Now, in both cases, you're talking about five to ten of those maybe a year. Yeah. But it's enough to uh, make you realize that uh, Mother Nature gives and takes, and you got to keep on your toes. Yeah, so you grew up here. So take us back to when you were 10 or 11 years old running around. What did you want to be? And let's compare that to uh, the world of economic development. I love that you asked me that question, Chad, because I was thinking about this just recently, that what was I doing when I was 10 years old? Well, I had a little 12-foot aluminum boat and a five-horse Johnson. And you want to put that motor in reverse? You get up and you turn it around. So (laughs) that's where I spent all my time. I grew up right next to the Mississippi River, and I spent all my time in the Mississippi and the bays there, and uh, I fancied myself to be a a pretty efficient uh, fisher person, and so that's what I thought I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was going to become a fishing guide. These folks who come up from the Twin Cities and need a little help to get on the fish and find that structure that I was talking about earlier, well, I could help them out with that. So that would have been my dream when I was a 10-year-old. Now, over time, though, I will tell you, in my teens, as a region, I've mentioned both timber and mining, and the mining industry went through some changes. And there was a mine right here, just next to town, Butler Taconite, that was, you know, hundreds of employees. And unfortunately, when I was in my early teens, that plant shut down. And I remember driving by with my dad past the employment office, a place where I'd never seen anyone outside before, Chad. And there were over 100 guys standing in line 
and talked to my dad about that and the impact of Butler closing down and what was going on there. And, you know, I would say that while I didn't at that time even know there was a job economic developer, I did think to myself, boy, I hope I never have to see this again. And it would be cool to be part of making this not happen again or when it does helping those people get back into jobs so that was a very formative thing for economic development before i knew that there was an economic development well i never knew we had that in common you've heard some of my story but not all of it but when i was 10 or 11 my dad got laid off right before thanksgiving i distinctly remember it was like thanksgiving weekend we went to the unemployment office he was just always a hard-working he was one of 10, so they were all farm, very hardworking people. And he had to take me with him because they had nobody to keep me, you know, and he was embarrassed. I remember him filling out the forms and all, and he was oh, kind sure. of embarrassed. And so way back then, I thought to myself, you know, somebody who could do something about this, but I didn't know there was such a thing either. So you and I kind of have <laughs> similar, similar deal. And used to, I hadn't done this lately, but used to when I hired new people, the first day I made them go spend an hour or two at the unemployment office just to kind of see, just to kind of, you know, reinvigorate to them. This is why we do this. It's not just a job to us. Yep. It had such a profound impact on me. Yep, it's family by family. And, you know, when you help out a project and then you meet somebody later who works there and they thank you, there's nothing better. It gives me chills still. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most It works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. So what positions did you have? I mean, it must be a dream now doing this in your hometown, being part of the region. So what did you do before you got into Apex? Well, so I have a kind of a unique perspective on economic development, Chad. My career started out, I was working at the power company. I was an accountant, and I worked in an internal audit department. And after six years of that, I kind of wanted to get closer to the customer. I got to know the company very well, and that was a great path. But I wanted to get closer to the customer, and there was an opportunity in the economic development department. I knew the folks who worked in there and, you know, really liked what they were trying to do. And we had a loan fund at that time, so I could kind of leverage my accounting. So I threw my hat in the ring and uh, was able to get that job. Went from there to uh, work for the state of Minnesota at a really unique agency called the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation Board. That agency is set up to help people ensure a solid future for mining impacted areas. And so I got to spend a couple of years working for the state 
I went from there into more of a merger and acquisition business development position, and that was a great learning experience. You know, as I've heard you talk about sales, I have to tell you, that was the kind of process that I went through, that same sales process with prospective companies that we were looking at acquiring. And so um, learned a lot of those interesting skills. Went from there into city economic development for the city of Duluth. And I uh, spent three years, a couple of projects I'm extremely proud of that were very good for our community and for the region and really got to see that city side. During that time, I worked with my predecessor at Apex, a guy by the name of Rob West, a friend, a mentor, someone who I look up to immensely, who taught me a lot about economic development and brought some incredible marketing skills to the table and learned a lot from Rob, love that guy. And I uh, was able to, when he said, Hanson, he called me up one day, Hanson, I'm thinking about retiring. You got a resume? Yes, I do, sir. And one piece of advice I would give to our listeners, have your resume ready every day. Be ready. Opportunities come, you need to be able to pounce on them. Just like in economic development, you need to have your story together. You need to have your resume together. Anyway, so I got that over to the folks at Apex and went through a couple of very interesting and long interviews with eight and ten people in these two interviews and uh, successfully convinced them that I could be their person at Apex. I've been blessed with a wonderful team in the nine years that I've been there, and my current crew is as good as any, and past folks from Apex are now leading other organizations, like Itasca Economic Development right here in Grand Rapids, serving Itasca County, my former colleague, Tamara Lowney. So it's wonderful to see that and see that kind of advancement amongst the people I've worked with and create that network as well for Apex, and so that's my path. Yeah, so what does APEX stand for? So this is kind of a loose acronym. In the city of Duluth, this is kind of funny. There's three APEXs. One of them is a jujitsu dojo. Another <laughs> one is a mechanical company. And then there's the area partnership for economic expansion. Awesome. And so you guys cover, you said, how many counties over here? And the Ten, counties are big in Minnesota. Absolutely. So people where I'm from, they may not think that's much, but I mean, it really is a big radius. St. Louis County is, I don't know, over 100 yards running east-west or over 100 miles running east-west. And boy, well over 150 running north-south. Yeah. Our listeners know we have office in St. Louis and New Orleans. So, yeah, I get off my plane. The first thing I see is St. Louis County. I'm thinking, have I accidentally went to St. Louis? <laughs> then I see the Mississippi River. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I'm at home. Yeah. Right here in Minnesota. And so I have always, since I was a kid, been fascinated with the Mississippi River. Being raised in Mississippi, that's about all we got. Down yeah. Elvis Presley. <laughs> and uh, so, no, I, I like studied it. I've always been amazed. So I've always wanted to come up here and see it. And I actually canoed down a stretch with a guide from... I don't know, Memphis to somewhere, you know, in the Mississippi Delta. Cool. It was a lot of fun going down the Mississippi River. So I've always been intrigued with it. And I find that, you know, no matter where we are, all these river towns, we kind of bonded together. I guess because they were all settled by the same type of people. They're all similar, irregardless of your accent or whether you're from the north or the south. Absolutely. I agree. There's a pretty cool kinship there. And, you know, I absolutely love your hometown in New Orleans. Well, not your home area, I right. should say, Chad. Right. But I love getting down there, and, you know, I've done that for Mardi Gras. I've just spent a lot of time on Frenchman's and over on Maple. And oh, so you know where to over go. Over on yeah, Oak, yeah. yeah, I've had some fun times in your city. You've and I'm a big. Leaf, yeah. I've been to the Maple Leaf. I have a T-shirt from the Maple Leaf. Oh. I love your city and exploring it. And, yeah, there's so many great neighborhoods and things to do there. 
last time I was in here in New Orleans, I went to a place called Vons. Yeah. What a great music uh, setup they have there, and the musicians were incredible, and the fun, and you know, I felt like family within 10 minutes being there. Well, I tell you, once in a while I'll run into somebody and they'll say, oh, I didn't like New Orleans. And I'll say, well, you probably only went to Bourbon Street, right? Yeah. Or the French Quarter. And they'll say, yes. And i say, well, you need to do that for one night, but you got to get out and see all the other neighborhoods as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. sounds like you know how to do that. Yeah. The Bywater was a great experience for me. I love your city. The, the Garden District, it's a blast. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Hello, everyone. Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week, we are going to spotlight the East Central Indiana Regional Partnership as they are seeking a new president and CEO. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the East Central Indiana Regional Partnership consists of nine counties. This area offers choices from rural towns or medium-sized cities, all within proximity to big city amenities in Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, Indiana, Dayton, Cincinnati, and Columbus, Ohio. It is a really great area and an easy sell with low taxes, affordable land, housing, and close access to great higher education. This region and East Central Indiana features fully developed industrial parks and available buildings, all with an impressive grid of rail and highway connections that provide quick access to interstates. Pay will be up to $130,000 based on experience. And to learn more, you can visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash ECIRP or contact Brittany McCoy with The Next Move Group with any questions. Well, one thing you touched on was sales. And I've always felt that at economic development, the one place that we're mostly weak at are people really knowing how to sell. And you know, maybe sales is a bad word. I don't think it is, but some people do. But when you're an economic developer, you're the chief salesperson for your community. And so I've always thought embrace that and constantly learn more about it. You know, nobody knows everything there is about it. I'm constantly doing sales training stuff for my own self. So talk about really the role you think that plays in today's economy of getting prospects to consider you and just how long that process is. And I find most people don't like the follow-up, so just talk about all that. Yeah, sure. Follow-up is key. It's key to success in economic development. But for me, serving a 10-county region with lots of great communities, lots of different character and individuals working, and industries, frankly, that many of these communities rely on, you got to do your homework and it starts there but you can't spend your whole life studying there's some point where you got to start picking up the phone right for us it's a combination of things you know we look closely at what we have and what would really complement what we have talk with our companies about who are your suppliers who are your customers use that as an opportunity for a warm lead which you know instead of having to make an eight or ten calls usually with the warm lead you're getting in there in a couple calls so it's just more efficient and a way to uh, bring that process to come around a little more quickly now when it's just someone that you admire a company that you know is going to grow and you think that you're a good match for them growing there hey that's going to take lots of contacts that's going to take trying to get face to face at a trade show or an event it's going to take emails it's going to take phone calls we know that there are gatekeepers out there you know you probably have your own gatekeepers and you need them but at the same time you need to have a compelling story and build a little rapport and relationship there and you'll get in so it takes patience 
these processes and economic development take years. And you know, you can't forget your existing companies as well, because everybody knows that over 80% of your growth is probably going to come from within. And so being there for them as well, a little outreach is key. And, you know, as much as I'm proud of the large companies that we've been able to bring into the region, I'm equally proud of the growth that we've seen with companies like Cirrus, who I mentioned earlier. And that is a relationship where they know when it's time to make the next move, they want Apex at the table helping them out. And it's a great spot to be in. Yeah, well, you guys really are on the forefront of some aggressive marketing. We won't tell everybody what you do. We don't need to give away your playbook. Okay, good. Brian means what he says. I mean, they're not just sitting waiting for the phone to ring. They're trying to get out and and get their story told. And so uh, as we start to wind down a little bit, do you have any daily habits that you do routinely that kind of keeps you on track that you can share with our younger listeners or anything like that? Well, you know, I think, first of all, you have to keep yourself aware of current events. You have to find the news outlets that really match and provide a balanced coverage of information that you can use in your conversations. And, you know, you need to figure out which industries are going to be most important to you and become the local subject matter expert in that industry. Now, you're never going to you know, replace that plant manager and the knowledge that they have of exactly what they do but you can understand what are the pain points in manufacturing in your area, the pain points in aviation, the pain points in mining, and be ready to help respond to those. And that's key. So you have to keep up with your reading, you have to keep up with current events, and that has become a, really a daily habit for me. I also like to do just a, a little bit of reading each day on whether it's you know every other book, one's for fun, one's for learning. I think that is a, also a really good habit. And, you know, you got to take care of yourself, too. You got to take care of the machine. So in my area, and you heard a little bit of this already from us, mountain biking has become a huge, not just pastime, but a huge industry. And for the last 10 years, it's been my goal to be on a mountain bike, no matter what the weather or what the season, a couple, three times a week. So I have several different bikes for uh, different conditions. And my fat bike is the one that I really love because that's my fall bike. When I'm out bird hunting, I have a gun rack on my handlebars. I'll show you a picture of that after we're done here, Chad. But that becomes a habit, too. You got to take care of the machine. Yeah. All right. Well, as we wind down, so I tell you, I love hockey. I'm an NHL fan. St. Louis Blues, they won the Stanley Cup two years ago, I guess. And it just started. They're 2-0. and Yeah. But uh, I know y'all got some good hockey around here. Your high school and your college teams are all champions, right? That's so right. Brag a little bit on that before we get well, on. Well, you know, Grand Rapids, the small town of, you know, 10,000 people has put together a state champion hockey team several times and won in the last 10 years. So that's a big deal locally. Now we turn to the college level, which, you know, I wish that Division One hockey got the respect that football does or basketball does because it is some incredible action and they turn out all kinds of professional athletes. And my alma mater, the University of Minnesota Duluth, two championships in a row. Then COVID came. An unfortunate uh, sort of impact of that was our goalie who had uh, led us to those two national championships, a key part of that, was no longer with the team. We still were in the final four for that third year, but we weren't able to three-peat. So that's unfortunate, but you know what? Two national championships back-to-back and then another one a few years ago. Hockey is king around here. Well, I tell you, having the goalies a key. Yeah. I mean, even if you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you get the hot goalie, you can win as an eight seed. I mean, it just 
happens every year. The playoff hockey, that intense hockey, I mean, that's as good of a sport as there is. Yeah, I'll tell you. The local guy right here, we are actually in Cohasset, Minnesota, just outside of Grand Rapids. And our goalie, Shepard, is from Cohasset. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. Our two national championships on his back from Cohasset. Well, thank you for being with us. We know you got to run because we're still at the conference, so you've got to go into some other sessions. But tell these folks your website as we conclude in case they want to learn more about the area. Sure. So, you know, given that the name is Apex, we had to uh, add a little more to that. So it's www.apexgetsbusiness, G-E-T-S business dot com no spaces all one word lowercase all right thank you for being with us brian chad it has been my pleasure thank you very much my friend